Welcome to the Global Nurse Podcast, the show where Filipino nurses from all over the world get to share their stories. Have you ever wondered what it's like to pursue a nursing career while being away from the motherland? Well, tune in as we highlight the inspiring journeys of Filipino nurses as they share their challenges and triumphs of living and working abroad. I am your host, Kathy K. Retardo. Welcome to the Global Nurse Podcast. This is Kathy K. Retardo, your host. In today's episode, we are going to be talking to one of the nurses who have migrated to the U.S. 30 years ago. So today, let's welcome Mrs. Annette Navatoris. Welcome, Annette. Thank you, Kay. Thank you for inviting me. You know, I know, I, I mean, looking at your bio, I saw how many things that you're involved with and busy with. So I really wanted to thank you for taking the time for this interview and share your knowledge, your experience of uh, living your life here and working in the States. So could you please tell us um, a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I'm Annette Nava Torres. I was born in Quezon City, Philippines. Um, I'm the youngest of seven kids. So when I was growing up, I grew up with seeing my parents help a lot of people in the Philippines, especially the people from the provinces. So seeing that and the poverty and all the hardships of the people, I really wanted to help serve the people at a younger age. I was only five years old and I looked at my up at my brother who's like 19 years older than me and he was already a resident, a medical resident at the time. So I asked him, who's the partner of the doctor? And he said, it's the nurse. So I said, okay, I'll become a nurse so I can be your partner to help people. So at the tender age of five, I was like, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to travel. I also want to do, um, you know, a lot of fundraising and stuff like that um, growing up because my my parents used to help with fundraisers for our community um, to help build the church, to help build the schools and stuff like that. So growing up like that, it really helped me, you know, uh, appreciate life because not a lot of people are lucky enough to have supportive parents and loving parents and, you know, like, my whole family has been very supportive of me. So working here um, in the U.S. Um, has also helped me realize how lucky I am, you know, because not everyone has a chance to migrate from the Philippines to the U.S. Yes. So, at the, I mean, Annette, you mentioned already that you've migrated to the U.S. in 1987. So could you share us share with us how that experience is since that's been over 30 years? Yes. So I used to work at the Philippine Heart Center for Asia from 1985 to 87. And then I took the CGFNS exam and passed it. So then I said, you know what, I'm going to apply at an agency and then move to New York because at that time my sister was ready in New York. So I chose the hospital and then I sent in my application, you know, papers and stuff like that. And what happened was um, I figured I wanted to go to New York because 
every time I would read books. And um, I actually started journaling when I was seven years old. So I, I've always wanted to travel. And I said to myself, I want to go to New York and see all these skyscrapers that they're talking about. <laughs> so, and then I said, you know, I can do something that I love, which is nursing, and then incorporate another thing that I love, which is traveling. So that's why when I was given this opportunity, um, I was actually in the middle of doing my master's degree, you know, so I said, but you know, the opportunity is already there. So I said, you know what, let me just grab this opportunity because it's not easy to come to the US. Um, I had to go through an agency. Uh, you have to apply for your um, um, passport, you know, all this paperwork, you know, that takes a long time. <laughs> so, yeah, so when I got here, um, I was on work permit. So I was working as an RN on a work permit. So I, I really had to study hard in order to get my license, you know, because um, in the Philippines, we have our license there and then we got our CGFNS. But when you come to America, you still have to take your RN license. Um, but everybody told me, take your LPN license first because this is, you know, easier to pass. So that's what I did. I took the LPN exam first um, and then worked um, with the per RN permit and the LPN license at the same time. And after that, I the RN the RN exam, you know, the NCLEX. So it was a little bit better that way so that, you know, while you're waiting for your work permit to end, you already have one license at least, you know, to, to work with. That's a really great um, way of um, telling our listeners that what you did was come come to the U.S. with your uh, work permit. You did take your LPN or if in other states they call it LVN. And while you're working, you then uh, studied for reviewed for your RN board. So you started from that. That's the process that you went through. That's really great. I also wanted to know, um, since your sister is already in the U.S. with you at that time, what were the challenges of leaving home? Like, you know, who else was there with you when you moved to the to uh, New York? Yes. Um, well, first of all, you know, like my parents said, you know, oh, you have to go there with at least a few hundred dollars, you know, <laughs> U.S. dollars. So thank God for that. My parents uh, provided that for me. And then I stayed with my sister when I got to New York. And then from there, the hospital provided us with housing. So I moved from, it was Yonkers, New York. And then I moved from Yonkers to New Rochelle, New York. So the housing was right next to the hospital. So it was very convenient. We just walked to the hospital, you know, and then we had our free parking and our, our apartments are actually were subsidized by the hospital. So even though we were working in New York, we didn't have to pay for the whole, you know, the full price. That's really, I mean, and of course, we all know how expensive parking is in New York. So that, just having that um, one benefit already helps a lot. You've been in nursing for working in the U.S. over 30 years. Annette, what are the changes that you have seen, especially among the um, Filipino community of how nurses are from the 80s, 90s, the 2000s, and now, you know, just we went through a really once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. Yeah, so for nurses that graduated in the Philippines, 
I think the basic training is the same. Doesn't matter if you're, you know, older or younger. But um, and oh, and also the the because of our culture, we're so used to taking care of our families and our friends. So it's innate in us to be very caring and compassionate. So that, you know, there's no difference between the older and the younger generation. The, the only thing that I could think of is that the technology, you know, really changes a lot because a lot of my coworkers, when technology changed and, you know, we went into computer nursing and stuff like that, that's when they're like, oh, I think I'm, I have to retire now. <laughs> I agree with you. Yes, it's it's uh, uh, we, at that time, and it's fairly back in like early two thousands when we also did the transition. So there were a lot of um, of nurses who were getting ready to retire, ended up you know deciding to retire even sooner because of the like you mentioned technology. How was that adjustment for you? You know, so I wasn't too old and I'm not too young, but kind of in the middle. So I kind of just went with the flow. So to me, it's like, okay, I need to learn about this one. So I have to be open to challenges, right? So <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll take up this challenge. I'll, I'll study whatever they, they tell me. And so I was able to, you know, just work with whatever uh, computer system we have. In fact, I have two computer systems that I work with right now because I work in two different places. So, you know, the first few months, it's an adjustment, but, you know, you get used to it. I agree with you. I think those, a lot of us were more resistant. We're so used to the paper charting. And then now during downtime, it's like, hey, you know, we need our computer, you know, and we're, we're so used to, um, to having this computer system now in our healthcare system. I wanted to ask you to um, you you know your experience your vast experience you've been in nursing for for a while both in the Philippines and here in the U.S. What is the biggest challenge if you were to name one that you have to overcome or have to go through? Okay, so actually there there's more than one, um, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who has that. <laughs> so I mentioned about the technology and the newer trends in nursing. Um, it's actually balancing your personal life and career because I have a special needs child right now and I have to make sure that my schedule is balanced with having nursing care for my son while I'm trying to go to work at the same time. Um, but thank God everything's working out fine. You know, there's always a solution to every problem. So, you know, we try our best, right? And then, um, like, during the COVID time, I was taking care of four ICU patients. And usually in ICU, if you're very busy, you only get one patient, and then the other nurse gets two patients that are not that busy. But because it's a pandemic, you have no choice. There, there were so many patients and not enough nurses. So, like I said, you have to go with the flow, you know. So I was taking care. I was in charge um, of the unit. And being that I'm a critical care float, I'm usually not in charge, technically. But because of the pandemic, I found myself being in charge with four ICU patients. Um, but it was scary in the beginning because we didn't really know much about it. 
So we were all like, okay, let's just do our best because we're here for the patients. You know, we have our responsibility and when we took oath as nurses, we knew that one of these days, this kind of pandemic would come into our lives. Uh, we just didn't realize how <laughs> how bad it's going to be, you know. Um, and New York was really affected. Yes, yes. So it, to me, it's like I worked with some nurses that were having panic attacks. So I always thought about maintaining stability under pressure. That's what I used to hear from my dad who was in the military. He said, you know, no matter what happens, you have to stay compassionate and professional. But at the same time, you have to have that emotional detachment from your patient in order to function properly as a nurse. Annette, that's really uh, great to hear that you learned that from your dad, because it really felt like last year we were at war with something that's really unknown. And it's almost we're learning more about COVID day by day, minute by minute, changes in policy and you being in a leadership position. And at the same time, balancing your life, making sure that you're taking care of your son with special needs. And that I'm sure have also cost you some concerns since you don't know what COVID is and you don't want to take it home to hit to your son. So how did you, how did you do that? I mean, you know, we wanted to just let everyone know that it wasn't an easy task. Like we're as nurses, like you said, you've taken an oath, but then you have family members that you also need to take into consideration. Yeah. For me, you know, I came from a religious background, so I'm Catholic by religion. And so for me, you have to have a deep faith in God in order to overcome any challenge. And that's what I held on to, you know, I'm like, you know what, as long as I believe that God is there and I will, I will continue to do the, you know, what the CDC rules are, you know, washing your hands, um, making sure you have your proper PPEs, and like just trying my best to not bring any virus back home, you know? Um, it's like I had to change my shoes. So I had a different pair of shoes for work and a different pair of shoes for going home. I changed my uniform, you know? Um, so thank God it seemed to be helping because I never got the COVID uh, virus at all. Oh, that's really great. I mean, even with having to be in charge of a unit with a lot of patients having COVID, I mean, you have really taken the right precautions to make sure that you don't get COVID and not to bring it to your family. So what advice, because we're still in it. I mean, we're getting better now with the vaccination, but you've also said that you had to um, provide some, let's say counseling or support to the nurses who were having some panic attacks, like, you know, mental health became, you know, front and center as an issue now post the peak of the pandemic. I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm so glad in a way that we're, now talking about nurses and their mental health, because we've gone through so much, even prior to the pandemic, you know, nursing shortage and, you you know, being in leadership position, you know that. So what advice could you give um, nurses out there that may be going through some uh, mental health anxiety or depression, um, especially after the peak of the. Yes. So 
first and foremost, um, we have to make sure that what we, whatever we do in nursing is evidence-based practice. So part of that is hand washing and the use of PPEs. And, you know, like we have to have continuing education so that the more we know about this, the better for us to understand what we're doing, um, especially when, while we're taking care of uh, patients at the bedside. And then you also have to try to balance yourself. Um, I think a lot of people have different talents that they can use, you know, to balance their career and their personal life. So for me, it's singing and dancing. Um, so like, you know, even if you're not joining a, a dance studio or whatever, you know, you can still do it at home. It's a good exercise, you know, for you know, dancing is a good exercise. And um, like for me, I usually teach um, 10 to 13 year old kids. I, I do choreography and stuff like that. So uh, it takes away the stress from me by giving some happiness to other people, you know, because they're, they get the kids get so excited, even if it's through Zoom classes, you know, they're like following the dance steps and stuff like that. So, and then journaling can also help you de-stress yourself. And what else? Deep breathing techniques. It's very important. So I actually have this uh, deep breathing technique that I do to lessen my stress at work. Because working in the ER and ICU is very stressful. You know, so it's called four, seven, eight. So you breathe in for four counts and then hold your breath for seven counts and then breathe out through your pursed lips, eight counts. And That's I find a that, great advice. Yeah. Oh, yes. uh, four, seven, eight. Oh, mm-hmm. it's easy to, to remember as well. So you said, take a deep breath for four seconds yeah, four counts, and then yes. hold it for four counts. Uh, seven, I mean, hold your breath for seven counts and then breathe out for eight counts. Yeah. But when you breathe out, you have to do it with your pursed lips so that you're, you're releasing the air slowly. I wanted to, um, that's, that's a really great advice. Thank you. But I wanted to hear more about this dancing. I, I really agree with you that it's important to have a life outside of work, especially in a profession where we give so much of ourselves. We need to recharge and do something to, to rejuvenate and to, you know, really embrace all the other aspects of our life. So um, what type of dancing do you like to choreograph for this um, pre-teens? Oh, yes. Um, they actually, because for summer camp, they love the Hawaiian dance, the hula dance. So, and I belong to this dance studio. So I'm one of their guest choreographers. Um, it's called uh, Center for Modern Dance Education in Hackensack. And so... We actually cater to people who, for the kids who are indigent in the area and also kids with special needs like autism. And um, we even cater to um, kids on um, with disabilities that like the ones who are on a wheelchair. So we do wheelchair dancing on top of that. Oh, wow. Arna, this is quite, um, this is, um, I think I've seen it, you know, people do it, but I would, I would say that this will be my first time talking to a choreographer of, um, of, um, you know, preteens in, in a wheelchair. So how does that look like? So most of them, um, they don't have any 
you know, like mobility on the lower extremities, right? But they can still move their hands and their head. So what I tell them to do is just follow my hands because in Hawaiian dances, you actually dance with your hands. You speak um, the, the language of dancing through your hands and your gestures and, you know, the swaying of your head and stuff like that. So even if you cannot do the steps, you know, but you can still move your hands and it's actually good exercise for them as well. Oh, I, I mean, I, I really am very impressed to like hear that, you know, there's this classes for this types of, of students or like, you know, preteens that are in the wheelchair and they're able to move their upper extremity. So, I mean, you know, that gives a hope to a lot of people out there who may think that since they're in the wheelchair, they're unable to do um, dancing. But, you know, it's good to know that there's choreographers like yourself who's uh, catering to this um, types of students. Um, I also wanted to ask you then, what is your biggest accomplishment since it seems like you're involved in so many things, you know how to balance your work and, and um, life balance. So what's your biggest accomplishment of, you know, so far, both professionally or personally? Well, for me, the biggest uh, accomplishment is being able to take care of of my son who has special needs, uh, he's in a wheelchair. So that's probably the reason why I went into wheelchair dancing because I want, I saw when he would hear music, I, well, there was a time when I took him to Bermuda on a cruise and the live band was playing and I saw him moving his body, his upper body, right? He's swaying from side to side. And then I saw his hands move. And then I saw his head move and I said, you know what? He loves to dance. So I said to myself, oh, then I can teach him how to do, how to do this. And then I could hear him hum whenever I would sing. You know, us Filipinos, we love karaoke. So, <laughs> so I could hear him hum when I'm singing. I'm like, okay, so this will actually help him. It's part of his therapy now. And then um, I actually was able to help him learn how to swim. On top of that, you know, so swimming is one of the best therapies for, for um, people in a wheelchair, um, but you have to be resourceful about it. So what we've been doing is we have a beach towel for my son and then we, we do the two-man lift. So one at the top and one at the bottom, and then we just lift him up, get him out of his wheelchair, and then put him down on the ground and then from there we can slide him into the pool and then he just started you know like back floating for me I, I would hold his head and and then I would tell him okay you know extend your your you know your neck and then straighten up your back and then he was able to learn at 12 months old I mean Arnett like I am just so amazed of what you have been doing it's like God is really using you of being able to to help not only your son and you, you know, you to be able to have him swim, to dance, you know, be in like that humming of that type of singing, you know. So, I mean, God is really using you to like make sure that these people with special needs are not 
put in a box, you know, that this is what the only thing that they can do, that there's other things that they can do. Same, same as those kids without, um, with no special needs. So that's amazing. So um, could you please, um, uh, anything else that you would like to share? Yes. So because I'm coming from that background, I'm able to use whatever experience I have personally and use it um, towards my nursing experience because I've also taken care of people with special needs and I've also taken care of um, people who have given up, you know, they would be like, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. And then what I would do is I would start telling them my son's story and then it actually would encourage them. So to me, you know, it's like both personal and, and my nursing career, they intertwine. So in a way, I'm able to not just be a nurse for my patient, but I'm also advocating for them to not give up hope when, you know, when they think that they can't do anything anymore. I would be like, you know, you know, some people can do this. Some people can do that. You know, you're still able to stand up and walk so you can actually do more, you know. I mean, that's really great that you're giving them a new pair of eyeglasses to look at, you know, another perspective. I all, I work in pediatrics and so I've seen kids getting diagnosed even at a young age of one year old to with um, cancer or kids born with um, disabilities or with, you know, who have special needs. And so I often tell people like, what are we complaining about? Why are we, you know, saying that what, the limiting beliefs, there's more, a lot of people that may have, um, some things that they don't, they are unable to do. They aren't able to speak, walk, and do those things. But that doesn't stop them from pursuing what they really want. So I'm, I'm really glad to personally hear it from you as a mom um, of a son with special needs and see that you're, you're opening up all these possibilities for him. So before we end our interview for today, could you tell me what is um, something that you're passionate about? What's next for you? Any advocacies that you would like our listeners to, to know? Yes, um, so I work as a rapid response team nurse, right? Um, and I also, so I see how, you know, how nurses at the bedside are. And then I also work as assistant director of nursing. So I'm also on the management side. So um, I want to keep it like that so that I can balance myself. And, you know, because most of the time management people, they, they forget. Um, I agree with you. They forget how it is to be stuff, you know? Um, and then I really want to be able to help more people by continuing with um, fundraisers through the PNANJ, which is the Philippine Nurses Association of New Jersey. And I'm also involved with fundraisers for the Center for Modern Dance Education in Hackensack and also for the Arellano University College of Nursing Worldwide Association. So I just hope that more and more people will think about being able to help other people in their own small way because, you know, the more people help each other out, the more we can help other uh, people, not just locally, but especially in our country, in the Philippines, because um, 
especially in, during the pandemic, you know, they, they really need a lot of support. I agree with you. Thank you so much, um, Annette. Um, you know, as you have mentioned, we are so blessed to be living and working abroad. And um, oftentimes we tend, there are times, and I would say I, there are moments that I get to be in my bubble and just see that, oh, you know, all my needs are met. You know, my family and my friends are doing okay. And then it's the traveling and the going back to the Philippines that basically opens my mind of like, hello, you know, um, I, I think about this quote, to those much are given, much are expected. So I think as nurses, we need to um, stay involved in networking, as you have said, like with your PNA in New Jersey, and then getting involved with our alumni in our, you know, in the from the Philippines so that we are really involved and stay connected and to give back is really something. I think we, we both agree on that one to like, let's give back, let's be involved and, you know, not let's not forget our motherland, as I would say. Right. Yeah. And I also think that um, we can also, you know, we can also write more um, for nurses to be able to find their way in nursing because some are lost. You know, some people feel like, you know, I don't want to be a nurse anymore because it's, you know, like it's very challenging and, you know, with the pandemic, people get scared and stuff like that. Um, so I think the more people write about nurses and their experiences and share, you know, how they are able to, you know, overcome the challenges, I think it will help the other nurses to stay in nursing because we really need as much nurses as we can, you know, nowadays, especially. I, I agree with you, Annette. And I think like what you said, even that breathing exercise of four, seven, eight will help us because, you know, we need to acknowledge that, you know, you've been in nursing, as you've said, for so long and you already know how to balance your work and life. But then there's people out there that this, you know, the pandemic was the first time they just finished nursing school and then immediately um, confronted with this pandemic. So um, like you have said, it's important to to tell our stories. Like, so I would like to really thank you for coming onto my podcast. So my whole goal is to put a face or a voice to the Filipino nurses that are in the front lines because we have been, you know, the ones in there, we have been disproportionately affected by COVID. And we just wanted to tell people out there, we have, we're real people. We have a life outside of, of the hospital. Like, you, you know, those PPEs, those masks and those uh, sh uh, shields that were used saying there's there's a face there's a voice to it so and and I, I like you said it's important to have something to do outside of work you know because if you don't then you'll just really be so empty and you know you'll end up thinking about living a very rewarding profession because both of us it, it, I feel like we both love nursing so much it's really a calling it's true it's true <laughs> Yes. So um, again, um, I'll just give you uh, another opportunity. You've um, you've stated a few organizations that you are uh, advocating for. So if you could just uh, repeat those contact information for our listeners so they can get more information or they may be uh, willing to support or donate to to your um, the organization that you're advocating for. Thank you. So actually, um, all three of them have websites. So if they Google 
PNANJ, which is the Philippine Nurses Association of New Jersey. My subchapter is Bergen Passaic County subchapter. So it's BPCS. And also the second one is the Center for Modern Dance Education in Hackensack, which is called CMDE. They have their Facebook page and it's uh, under CMDE. And also the AUCN Worldwide Association, which is the Aralian University College of Nursing Worldwide Association. Thank you so much. It's so amazing that you're doing all of these things and getting yourself involved, you know, busy with your uh, nursing job, but still um, find your way to advocate and be involved in these different organizations. So again, maraming salamat. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Annette, for being a guest of the show. Your story is so inspiring. You know, being working in leadership position, working at the bedside, especially taking care of patients with COVID, and at the same time, taking care of your son with special needs. It's such an inspiring story. So thank you so much for being in the show. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This is your host, Kathy K. Retardo. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Global Nurse Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Stay tuned to our next episode featuring Filipino nurses living around the world. We will also be talking to nurses working at different specialties and those nurses who decided to take a totally different path. If you are a Filipino nurse or you know a Filipino nurse who would like to be a guest on our show, you can email at theglobalnurse at gmail.com or leave a message at 657-215-9586. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on your social media, or leave a rating or review. Our theme music is done by our sound engineer, Ryan Peralta, for logistics and art cover design by Shakina Branis. Special thanks to Adam, my family, Mama, Karen, Kim, and Chris Retardo, and my friend, Pep Publico. Thanks again for listening to the Global Nurse Podcast. This is your host, Kathy K. Retardo. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Global Nurse Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Stay tuned to our next episode featuring Filipino nurses living around the world. We will also be talking to nurses working at different specialties and those nurses who decided to take a totally different path. If you are a Filipino nurse or you know a Filipino nurse who would like to be a guest on our show, you can email at theglobalnurse at gmail.com or leave a message at 657-215-9586. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on your social media, or leave a rating or review. Our theme music is done by our sound engineer, Ryan Peralta, for logistics and art cover design by Shakina Branis. Special thanks to Adam, my family, Mama, Karen, Kim, and Chris Retardo, and my friend, Pep Publico. Thanks again for listening to the Global Nurse Podcast. This is your host, Kathy K. Retardo. Until next time.